0: Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Kevin, for that uh, story about peter i I really enjoy that um, that story about peter and and Jesus offering Peter redemption after he had failed I, I think that is so neat. So what a special day Ryan, do you know what today's date is? September three 2023. Never forget that date (laughs) for any of you. I remember the day I was baptized, and I don't know um, what the date was, but I remember Bill teaching instruction class and sitting through his classes, and I remember a couple of the people, I'm not sure, I think I can remember two of the people that were in my class. I'm not sure if that was it or if there was more or not, but... um, One thing that I'll never remember is walking over there, and Bill said, and you guys pay attention here, Bill said that, you know, we always say ladies first, but on something like this, he wants one of the guys to be the first to go get baptized. And so we got over there, and I was like, oh, I hope it's not me, and sure enough, it was. (laughs) I was first in line, so. There you go, and I think I was, I think I was about 15, give or take, somewhere in there. So, but a lot has happened since that day, and I was thinking about, Share in this morning, and what do you share on baptismal morning, um, words of encouragement as you guys start your public, I mean, you've been believers for a while, but you're making that commitment today. How do you encourage and, and share? So I picked two things that I want to encourage you with this morning, um, but I would like to open it up in the end if anyone has anything to share, um, any words of encouragement or maybe warning to these young people here as they start their Christian walk? What advice would you give them? So, the first thing that I want to share with you this morning, um, and this I guess you could classify it as a word of warning, I wish I would have known when I sat on the front bench and was baptized, I wish I would had a better understanding of how the Holy Spirit communicates with us and how he speaks to us, how he leads us. How would you say that God communicates with you? Um, and to kind of get us thinking this direction. So Matthew Moorhart spoke last Sunday morning, and he had a really good message. It was challenging, and I was I thought it was really good. The one thing he said in in the first point in the personal uh, personal experience section of knowing God. The first point was he said I've, that check true or false or whatever, if, if you've heard him, sorry, the question was, I've heard him speak to me and I know his voice. And, and he didn't elaborate on that, so I don't know what he meant. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt or whatever. Like I said, I, I, I was encouraged by his message. I thought it was, it was challenging and I thought there's things I need to work on in, my, in knowing God. But what does that mean or what does that look like in normal life that you've heard God's voice? How, how is that practical? I've heard a lot of people say that, well, God led me to say this, or God led me to say that. I've heard speakers get up front and, and say that, you know, oh, they were just, you know, wanted to preach this message, but they weren't sure. And, you know, and they just felt like God was telling them no. And they just, you know, Sunday morning, they wadded up their notes, threw them away, and started over, you know, because God was leading them to something else. <clears throat> yeah, I've heard other people say too that, well, the, the Holy Spirit's leading us to do this, leading us to do that. What does that look like in normal life? And I wish somebody could have explained to me well when I, and I, I suppose I didn't even know enough to ask the question. I just kind of, you know, you hear things and you assume, and probably shouldn't do that. But, anyways, when people say that they felt led to do something, they mean all kinds of things. One person will say, well, I just felt God leading me, and they mean that they just had a sense of peace about making that decision. Someone else may say that, and they mean that, um, you know, they think that God speaks to them through their authority, and so they asked their mom or dad what they should do, and they told them, and so that was God's leading to them. Others will say that they received a rhema, um, another person will say, well, I actually heard God speak to me in my mind, in my head. Or maybe they even think they heard an audible voice. And maybe somebody else will say that, you know, God just led me, and they didn't have any, any uh, experience at all, but they said it to sound super spiritual. It gives a speaker a lot of credibility to be able to stand up and say, God led me to say this. <laughs> <clears throat> I think it would be helpful to be specific Sometimes, and we use these terms, and and it can be fine, you know, because yeah, if you're specific in every single thing, you you'll never run out of words to say or whatever. But we use terms like "washed in the blood" or like, what does that mean? Or we use terms like, uh, well, we we had a, you know, it, I went out and was walking through my pasture and into the woods, and I was just having a time of communing with God. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? <clears throat> And I got caught up when I was young in, in this whole thing of, of hearing from the Lord. And I, yeah, I don't know. I suppose it was innocent enough. I don't blame anybody for it or whatever. It was just my own foolishness. But you kind of, so, you're, we're supposed to pray about a big decision, right? But how does God answer that prayer? Like, Lord, I want to, I you know, I can either buy this red truck or buy this blue truck. And so I prayed that God would show me which one to buy. How does God answer that? <clears throat> and so I got kind of, I don't know, caught up in this whole thing of, you know, that God would speak to me in my mind or that, you know, you, you read the scripture and you kind of empty your mind and try to think about what is God trying to tell me. And and yeah, some people believe that God, yeah, will come and speak to you in those times. And it's kind of a mystical mystical approach, and nobody can really explain how do you hear God's voice. It's just kind of mystical, and that's why I call it Christian mysticism, and it's a long discussion. Someday I'd like to, like, I'm taking a huge topic and condensing it into about 10 minutes here, so sometime I would like to dive into this. There's all kinds of different uh, reasonings through it, and and it's, it's really interesting, but... Um, it is, it's a really damaging belief. If, if you're into that, it's, it's not a good thing. I've watched people destroy their lives doing that. Um, you know, you may have somebody that's, I don't know if you've heard it, but, well, I know that Scripture says that, that divorce, remarrying after divorce is wrong. Okay, but God said it's okay for me and my situation, or you know, um, yeah, you name it. I know that you know this man is not a Christian, but we're in love, and it's just seem you know. And God spoke to me and said, if we get married, then you know he'll become saved through my example. Well, that goes right against Scripture, but you can't argue with somebody who's been talking with God. There's just, yeah, there's so much to to think about. And people get into all kinds of trouble through it. And I think, you know, some things that we do are based on something that's uh, like a a desire in our hearts that isn't good. But this one, I would say it is a good desire, but it's just, I don't know, not going a good direction, I guess. But it's it's based on a good desire. Like, we want to know God. We want to hear what God has to say say to us, we want to know what God's will is. But we're just getting we're getting off base. So it is a good desire. And I want to I guess maybe give you a, a more correct way to think about it. There's all different kinds of ways we can get off track in our view of the Holy Spirit. But thing number one, I guess, would be God's preferred way to communicate with us is through the written word. We kind of look at um We kind of, you know, we read what the prophets wrote and we read what Paul wrote and what Peter wrote and what Matthew, you know, Mark and Luke wrote. And we think, wow, you know, I wonder if God would communicate to us like he did to them. But God gave them words and they took those words, wrote them down and spread it to the masses. And we are the masses today. Like God's word is for us. So if you want to know what God says, read his word. That's God's. Uh, preferred way to communicate with us. Not that he can't, you know, strike us down like he did Paul, but I would say for the most part, he communicates with us through his word. And turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 14 through 17, says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So notice Paul's emphasis on Scripture here. It gives us all that we need to be perfect. It gives us, God's Word gives us all that we need to be complete, to do what God's will is. So, God's Word, the Bible, is the way He chose to communicate with us. All the feeling led, the voice in your mind, the feeling of peace, or whatever mystical idea that you have that is how you base your mind on what the Holy Spirit is saying, I believe needs to be put to rest or thrown out. And base your decisions on the Word of God. Is the Bible enough? Well, Paul tells Timothy it is. Why do we feel like we need to have more than what is in God's Word? We already have His Word, and it's complete. Nothing more is needed. Now, you might be wondering, well, does the Holy Spirit guide us then? Gary's up here saying that he doesn't, <laughs> that we don't hear from the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's not at all what I'm saying. Um, I do believe that the Holy Spirit guides us, directs us, just not in a mystical way that we have to figure out. Go to John chapter 7. Sorry, John chapter 16. I'll read verses 7 through 15. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine... And shall show it unto you. So I believe that the Holy Spirit does these things. Um, that's that's listed here. He'll lead you into the truth. But I believe He does it in an invisible way. It's like the wind. So the wind blows, and we see the effects of it, but you can't look outside and see the wind, and you can't tell where it came from or where it went. And I believe that the Spirit's work in our heart is invisible. So we have, we have conviction of sin. Uh, we understand a bit of truth. An idea comes to mind of how to do some form of good, and those can all be from the Spirit. Okay, But we don't know for sure whether it was or not. All we, do need, all we need to know is that we do have the Spirit, because Jesus promised it, and we can see the fruit. And the wind example actually is something that Jesus said back in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. I believe that the Spirit spoke to each one of you that are going to be baptized today. Like, I believe that the Spirit helped you understand the need of of a Savior, and the Holy Spirit convicted you in your heart of sin. And He probably instilled in you the desire to be baptized. That is the result of the Spirit working in your heart. And there's so much more that you could say. Um, but I think I'll I'll leave it for now I, I guess in a nutshell I believe that the Holy Spirit works and it's all hidden and we don't know whether it's the Spirit or not but we know to do good we're convicted of sin we know right and wrong and, and so we do it and then we take the word of God and we learn wisdom and we apply it to our lives and that's, that's all we need I believe now that may have brought up a lot of questions and uh yeah, I'd, I would love to talk about this more sometime where I have, I don't know, quite a bit of time. So, um, And I mentioned that this can be damaging. I am still dealing with the effects years later to this very day of this belief that I had. So things foolishness can be very harmful. So let's move on to the second thing. sometimes we can be so worried about what is God's will for us, what does God want me to do, what is God trying to tell me, sometimes we're so worried about that that we miss the most obvious things that God has for us. The biggest, most important things, something that he's already told us in his word. Turn to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, starting at verse 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth. For there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself, is more than all... Whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any question. So the greatest thing that we can do in the kingdom of God is to love God with our whole being. And the second thing we can do is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that's what I would like to, to think about a little bit. What does that mean, to love your neighbor? As yourself, And Jesus gave the example of the Good Samaritan, of somebody who loved his neighbor. And you can think about that story. The, the story of the Good Samaritan has themes of loving your, uh, loving your enemy in there, too. But I would like to think about loving the brotherhood this morning. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13. We'll read this. This gives us some practical things to think about. So he just kind of went through in 1 Corinthians um, 12, talking about how we're all necessary. We're all part of the body. And we all have different, different gifts or different work in the body. We're different parts. But then he goes into chapter 13 and says this, "'Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels "'and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass "'or a tinkling cymbal. "'And though I have the gift of prophecy "'and understand all mysteries and all knowledge,' And though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man I put away childish things. For now we see through the glass darkly <clears throat> we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. And now abide in faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. In thinking about God, have you ever you know you think about how all the attributes of God. How would it be if God had all the attributes that he has, but was just lacking love? What would that look like? He's all-powerful. He has all knowledge. He's sovereign. He's, yeah, can do whatever he wants. But what if he didn't have love? And sadly, I think that's what we, as church people, sometimes fall into. We can... We can have so much wisdom and so much faith and we can do such great things for God. We can have a, a well-thought-out topic Sunday evening and we can have no love for the others in the church. So let's go down this list. <clears throat> Are you willing to be long-suffering with your brotherhood here? Are you willing to be kind Are you willing to put envy to death? Or in other words, can you celebrate somebody having something that you don't have? And what that can kind of look like is, you know, God takes us down different paths in life. Like let's say that Scott and Ryan both, you know, they grow up and they get a job. And they both work for the same company. And they both make $80,000 a year. And they both have a family and children, and Scott does really well. Um, things go smoothly for him, and Scott has enough money that he can buy a little vacation house down on lake Syracuse, and he just can go down there and fish and you know take his family and have so much fun and Ryan makes the same amount of money, has a, you know a different wife, but the same amount of children and his children have to go to the doctor sometimes and then they need braces and then they need, you know, this and that and then the van breaks down and then, you know, then and and thing after thing and Ryan's barely making it. They both work for the same company, make the same amount of money, but God took them down different paths, on a different journey. <clears throat> so are you willing to put envy To death. Could Ryan celebrate Scott when he goes and talks about going fishing? And on the reverse side of that, what if Scott would find out that you know Ryan's you know barely make it, and what if Scott slips a thousand dollar check into his mailbox? Or what if Ryan, or Scott says, Hey Ryan, <clears throat> I've got this house down here and we're not using it this weekend. Take your family down there and enjoy it. That's better than owning one because you can go enjoy it and then you can leave, right? <clears throat> Are you willing to put envy to death? Celebrate the achievements of those around you that maybe, you, maybe God hasn't allowed in your life. Can you live humbly, not lifting yourself up or seeking yourself? or seeing, seeing yourself better than, than those around you. Think about that. How about acting maturely among each other, not seeking to please ourselves, not easily angered, not taking pleasure in sin, but taking pleasure when others do good. And I like, I like this part, and it's all in one verse. I think it's, it's so good. Verse 7. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. If you think about that in in your church family, do you bear the weakness of others, but you believe that they can do better? Do you hope? Do you hope for the best and press them into the best, but endure it when they let you down? When somebody says something questionable, is your first reaction to, oh, that guy thinks this, or whatever, you know, to believe all your assumptions and to come up with all kinds of conclusions? Or is your first response to go talk to them and say, hey, um, when you said that, I, I thought you meant this. Is that really how you meant it? Oh, no, I didn't mean it that way. I, I didn't mean it at all that way. Um, are you willing to believe in the best and hope for the best for those around you? And then verse 8, I'm going to read that in the Bible in basic English. Though the prophet's word may come to an end, tongues come to nothing, and knowledge have no more value, love has no end. So, a prophecy will one day be fulfilled, and then it's done. Languages go away and are replaced with others. Knowledge is great until the knowledge that you have is outdated, and it's not use, useful anymore. Um, yeah, if you worked in the tech industry and you learned how to build a good flip phone, it's not useful anymore. When I was worked as an electrician, when we would wire up an addition or a new home or something, we would ask, so, okay, so what rooms do you want phone lines ran to and, and cable? And nobody does that anymore. <laughs> but... I mean they do but not for not for a landline telephone. It's knowledge that is that is outdated. But love will never cease. It never will end. And he even says that you know how how important is faith and hope in our Christian life. It's so critical. And it's, it's so important that we have faith and hope, but he says even greater than that is love. So I would encourage you to love well and use Jesus as, as an example on how to love others. Love others the way Jesus has loved you in being long-suffering and patient and gentle and willing to bear your sins. Reflect that to others. And then I'll read Proverbs 17, verse 17. It says, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So be that friend that loves at all times, even when they they let you down. Be that brother or sister to them, and help them through adversity. And who knows, maybe it'll be you next time that needs help through something.